This is BobaCast Season 5, Episode 7, Snivy Whiplash. In this episode, we are live from Michigan, and we talk about the Best Wishes Episodes 56 and 57, the Video Game News Bulletin of the Week, whether or not the metagame is stagnated, and we field questions from the audience, all coming up next. Yeah! <laughs> Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to BobaCast Live! Uh, for the very first time... Um, with me today, I am, I'm, I'm her set, obviously. Um, with me today, I have Luna. Hello, beautiful people. And uh, with me live is uh, the Burning Torchic. Hello, moderately average looking people. <laughs> uh, so our, our, as usual, we will start off with the most recent anime episodes in Japan. Uh, because we're doing Bubblecast Live, there have been two episodes since our last uh, Bubblecast episode. Uh, and so the first one was Bla- Best Wishes... Uh, 56, which was saw the Sawsbuck episode um, and the, f- the picture guy, Robert. Um, so it started with Ash and the gang resting inside of a Pokemon Center. While Ash and Pikachu were playing, this random stranger with a camera approached them and asked if he could take pictures of Pikachu, as Pikachu is rare in issue. After a few pictures in the intro sequence, the mysterious stranger introduces himself as Robert, a Pokemon photographer. He explains that he became interested in Pokemon photography because his grandfather was a Pokemon photographer as well. His grandfather's most controversial photo was one of four Sawsbook forms all at once. Robert's goal is to go reinforce his grandfather's reputation by finding the Sawsbuck and taking a picture of them as well. Ash and Co. decide to go with Robert into the nearby forest to try and help him find the Sawsbuck. As soon as they enter, they see a friendly deerling who begins to run away. They chase after, and Ash and Robert get separated from Dent and Iris, and they lose track of the deerling. They notice a strange mist is rolled in, and at that point, Robert Swoobat returns with one of the rare flowers from Robert's grandfather's picture. They follow Swoobat to where the Swoobat got the flower, but from but no dice the deerling is there again and they follow it to one of the trees from robert's grandfather's pictures they get excited but the sun is going down so they make camp for the night before sleeping robert tells ash that there was a mystical strange component to his grandfather's journey to finding the picture in the morning ash and robert are awoken by that same deerling again and they find themselves among a small herd of a surprisingly complacent deerling while Robert is photographing the deerling, he notices that he notices that there's an Amoongus waiting to use poison powder on the deerling. He dives and tackles the deerling uh, into safety at the expense of his getting poisoned. In a dire situation, Ash puts Robert on his back and begins to carry him down the hill to safety out of the forest. While on their way, the deerling emerges once again with fog to set the mood, and Ash decides and Ash decides to follow it. And, the saw, and there's a saws buck that's joined them as well. They merge into the area where Robert's uh, gra- grandfather took his infamous picture. And sure enough, there are the four forms of Sawsbuck all at once. Robert at this point has passed out from the poison, has a fever. But oh my god, the lake starts glowing yellow and suddenly there's magic and Robert is cured! No, that's not possible! <laughs> Robert awakens and sees the four Sawsbuck and then whips out his camera to get a picture as the Sawsbuck slowly fade away into the mist. Ash and Robert return from the hill and find Iris and Dent, only to find that Iris and Dent have had no time, no time has passed. Robert gets his camera to show Iris and Dent the picture of the Sawsbuck, but you can't make out their forms. But Robert's okay with it because he knew what he saw, and he saw his grandfather's picture come true. Well, that was an interesting episode, to say the least. Uh, what do you think about it, Luna? I absolutely adored this episode on so many different levels. Really? I don't yeah, know. I absolutely did. Why? Um, I, I love Robert. He's just... He's so happy and just so go-getting. And the fact that half the episode is just spent with him and Ash, just, you know, it's just those two. Instead of, like, you know, the whole lot of them, it's just 
it, it seems like it seems very personal in a way that it's not you know him it's like you know the other three plus one where the other like you know iris and silent would be kind of interacting with uh robert at the same time i just like that it's kind of like you know this whole it's like a buddy episode goes off with a new friend he ha- it has this incredible experience and and it's something that he shares with the character of the day only and not his friends and i kind of like that about it uh, I have two comments about this episode. Uh, firstly, I hold with the people who thought that Robert's grandfather was a fake. I could tell it was photoshopped from the pixels <laughs> and from seeing quite a few shops in my time. Uh, secondly, I really uh, I liked that whole um, golden healing lake with the deer scene a lot better the first time I saw it in Princess Mononoke. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, someone else saw that too. <laughs> Um, if you couldn't tell when I was doing my summary, this was not my favorite episode. Um, part, partly because, uh, Dent wasn't in it very much and Dent, hey, it, gotta love Dent. Um, yes, yes. <laughs> Iris isn't though. Iris isn't in it though. So that's kind of a plus. You didn't, you don't get her labyrinthine hair. Um, <laughs> but I, I thought, I thought that it was kind of, I thought it was kind of forced at times, especially with. With the whole Princess Mononoke reference and the lake glowing gold suddenly, um, but I mean it was it was an obvious it was an obvious lead up to th- it was it was a pretty obvious lead up. And I mean, I, well, I mean I, I prefer like more convoluted plots, but it's a kids show, um, so I mean it was okay, but a lot of the stuff was a stretch, and I I missed I missed I missed Dent. <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh, actually, um, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, I just have two very important parts to say about this episode. Um, two things. Um, in the beginning, when Robert had actually introduced himself as a Pokemon photographer, Ash had stopped and said, like, Pokemon photographer? And you'd think, this isn't the first time that he's seen a, you know, a Pokemon photographer, Todd. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. He spent, like, six actor. episodes with the boy. <laughs> you think he would have remembered what a Pokemon photographer was, especially when all he, all Todd wanted to do was get a picture of Pikachu when they first met. It's like you can't forget something like that. <laughs> well, Ash tends to Ash tends to forget things when he moves. Like his piece, his Pikachu, re- his Pikachu infis, infis, infamously resets to level one when he gets to every new region. I mean, yeah, he'll. he'll He'll get to he'll get to the the championship, and then you know it'll, he'll get to like the top eight, which is really good in in, in the whole context of it, things. Then he gets his first his very first battle. He loses loses to to Trip, who is a new trainer and just got his Pokemon. I, you know, I I I I threw continuity out the window a long time ago. Well, speaking of continuity, the second point is this is actually the first time we have seen the summer form of dealing. Every other dearling in the past, in the in like you know, in the episodes, had been spring form, mm-hmm. which for the people who assume that time is passing within the series, this is just you know another point for them. So it's kind of interesting to realize that maybe in another fifty episodes, forty episodes, we'll probably see the um, the autumn form, and people will be like, "But this is time passing. Ash has to get older," and this will be their argument. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I. 
I don't think Ash is ever going to get older. Time will pass and he will remain forever young. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that, did you, was there anything that you think they missed with that episode? I mean, did they, did they miss any opportunities with that episode that you think, other than the Todd reference? I don't know, but I think, I think if they actually wanted to do a snap game at this point, Robert probably would be their protagonist. Yeah. And they, and if it was like totally, you know, you know, the center to be like, go game, go. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that wraps it up for 56. Uh, could you do the summary for 57? Of course. Give me a second. Alright. And this episode is very nicely titled and in a, you know, using English names. Scraggy and the Selfish Gothita. This episode opens up with Axew and Scraggy in the heat of a trainer-type Pokemon battle, with part of Ash's team cheering on the sidelines and Snivy watching passively. It comes to an abrupt end when Scraggy knees Axew in the chin while Axew is about to produce one of its more explosive attacks, Dragon Rage. So it explodes in their faces and both are down for the count, but both are happy in the end. So they head to the pond, get a drink, start splashing around, and let the games begin as they start running around the field and play, deftly reminding us just how young these two are. Pop goes to Gothita. Mazabushes runs a Gothita, who, run, who takes a headlong tumble with Scraggy and Axew, sending them all crashing into a rock. Scraggy's not happy. Gothita, on the other hand, is enchanted upon seeing Scraggy and all his bad attitudeness. Or something. But it's some kind of puppy love at first sight, even as Gothita's trainer, Koharu, arrives. Introductions... Yes, uh, it turns out. And as it turns out, Koharu is a gym fanning trainer, of which Gothita is proud to show off her but two badges. But Ash's four badges don't make Gothita happy. But Ash's stomach growls, and Koharu is invited for lunch. Ash talks about Alessa, which gets silent talking about the subway masters, and talking, and talking. <laughs> FYI, FYI, the pairing of Silent Emmett and Ingo is called Diamond Car Shipping, and it might be one sided canon. Scraggy isn't liking Gothita and attacks her twice. She instigates both attacks, resulting in his own injuries. But Gothita is planning, planning of evil, childish deeds. Gothita convinces Koharu that she should train for Scraggy with one of Koharu's other Pokemon. When Ash says no, Gothita keeps demanding, and Koharu offers to battle him, resulting in taunting Ash when Ed says no. Whoever the winner would get Scraggy. And Ash never backs down from taunts, Paul. Axew was looking on in utter horror at the prospect of Scraggy being traded away while Scraggy wasn't paying attention at all. It also becomes clear that Gothita is running the show when it comes to Koharu and her for battling, as Ash and Tepic versus, versus her and Mandibuzz. Uh, versus her Mandibuzz. Tepic's dealt several blows by a few times, but Mandibuzz goes down. Whatever further battling might be canceled, however, due to a Quick, seek convenient shelter in a cabin! Gothita starts that's still on acquiring flat Scraggy, however, but Snivy is suspecting Gothita's game. Oh no? But in the middle of the night, everyone's asleep, Gothita wakes Scraggy up because she's hungry, so let's go get some berries, okay? Meanwhile, Axu is having a nightmare where Tepig lost, Silent is judging in his tuxedo mask outfit again, Gothita is as big as a person, and Gohara with Gothita's eyes, and Ash happily hands him Scraggy over. Best scene ever! Axew wakes up, then promptly panics, realizing both Gothita and Scraggy are gone, with the door slightly ajar. 
Axew pursues them, waking Snivy up in the meantime, who also follows. Kids. <sighs> but it's not long before everyone back at the cabin realizes they are Thor Pogies missing. Search party time! Scraggy <laughs> and in an apple tree where Axew finds him and attempts to bring Scraggy back. But Gathita finally got her man, so it's a tug of war, and Gathita isn't giving up. She attacks Axew, and Axew attacks back, and thank God he mastered Dragon Rage because it sends Gathita flying onto the belly of a sleeping Garbordor. Which wouldn't be so bad except Gathita gets a whiff of its pre-morning morning breath, and that's all, folks! She's running for her life, and the trashed-up Pokemon is raging. But where Gathita sees a nightmare, Scraggy sees an opponent. Challenge accepted. But intervention by Snivy, who saves only Axew and Scraggy. Gathita is left in the ducks and in the dust and attacks Garborder, and it causes enough ruckus to alert Tranquil to their location. Saved. But Gathita's getting her butt kicked. Snivy's protecting the babies. Is uh, Snivy's protecting the babies, and lo, Ash and company are here. Pikachu tries to talk to Garborder. I'm probably messing that up, but whatever. Gathita gets frustrated and tries to attack, but Snivy whiplashes her in the rear. This is important. No, really, it is. Gohara calls her out her dearling and using the Romatherium Gabordor, calming it down, and it walks off tonight as happy as drugs could make it. <laughs> but Gathita's still smarting, and it's not a happy reunion. She convinces Gohara that she wants to battle Snivy, and Snivy, being the team dream queen, is challenge. <laughs> Instant daytime! Snivy for the ownership of Scraggy! Good God, this can only end in someone's misery. And it's Gathita's misery, because even though she put up a valiant fight, Snivy is clearly boss. And Gathita looks <laughs> like a champ. No, that's a lie. She's a very, very poor winner. And Snivy rubs it in, rubs in her bossness. Gathita doesn't take it well at all, throws a bit, and runs off crying. Kuharo gives chase, but not before saying her goodbyes and best wishes to the gang. The gang, in response, can only return to half heartedly because what a strange pair. Our episode ends not quite with Snivy and Scraggy walking off hand in hand, but perhaps with a renewed sense of camaraderie and friendship. To be continued. Yay. Okay, thank you. Um, no problem. So, my opinion on this episode, I think, actually, I, 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 it was okay. It was, I mean... Dent was in it, so I mean I'm good. Um, <laughs> I, I'm. I, I thought it was. I, I liked. I liked because we haven't really seen Snivy in a while, um, and so that made me. That made me happy that we were able to see her uh, being part of the cast again and playing a role um, because you can't help but love her. Um, we also. I also liked it because it was. It. It. it it had it showed the relationships between all 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 the all the Ash and Co's Pokemon. So in between Kibigo and Zorugu and um, Snivy Sutarja, and so it, it was that was that was nice. We were able to see that, and so I think I think this episode had a lot of character development. Um, so overall, I'm, it was pretty good. Uh, what did you think, Brandy Torchic? Uh, I didn't really know what was going on until I got her summary there because we wa- I only got a chance to watch it uh, with YouTube auto-translate. <laughs> so as far as I knew, this episode was a metaphor for the 
like failure of the American economic uh, <laughs> system. Baseball. Also, a lot of Major League Baseball. Um, I really I, I liked the uh, Garbador Totoro reference there. I liked the two episodes referencing Miyazaki movies in a row, proving that they are out of original ideas. <laughs> what about you, Lena? Um, I like this. I think I like this episode only because it shows a very interesting and unique dynamic between one trainer and one of her Pokemon. Gofida is clearly like you know it's usually the human who's usually in charge of the whole Pokemon thing, but in this case it's obviously Gofida who's incredibly spoiled, <laughs> incredibly selfish, and incredibly demanding, and somehow manages to get her way. And I'm pretty sure that has to do with some, that has to do with you know her typing or her uh, species. And, well, I like that dynamic about it. And also the Axios, Scra- the um, Kibigo, Scraggy kind of interactions going going on there, those were adorable, especially when Kibigo had found them in the middle of the night, and there was kind of this, he, envi- he had, like, some sort of envisioned, yes, he had some sort of, like, you know, strange envisionment that they were about to go run off together. And, like, it was, like, you know, love blossoming, and Kibigo was not down with that. He was absolutely afraid <laughs> that Scraggy was going to come away. And that's kind of like, yo, bro, go ahead. I really, I just, I just like the dynamics that all of their characters showed in this episode. Especially with Snivy. Mm-hmm, you know, definitely. kind of like being, you know, the mama head in a kind of nonchalant, aloof kind of way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I definitely liked that that they had this whole interaction between uh bet- like like I said when I was talking about it they had they, they had this character development between the pokemon um and I think that's what made this episode pretty good um I think a couple things they missed I mean it was nice to see Ash using uh Tepic again that hasn't happened in a while but at least not since I watched it last um but it was it was it was there didn't really Involve any of of dense Pokemon in it. I. Um, <laughs> it wasn't a very dense episode. It wasn't. Come it on. was. I, uh, it was <laughs> well, yeah, that's f- fair enough. But like, there, there wasn't even a cam. I don't think there was even a cameo of his. I can't blank on the name. Broccoli Pokemon for, for lack of. Panapu, Pansage. Thank you. Yeah, broccoli Pokemon. We're gonna go with that. <laughs> Uh, but I, I, I do think they should, they, they could have been, um, there could have been a, you know, a shout out there. I get, I'm, I don't know. I'm probably just being hypo- hypercritical. Um, but it was a very good episode. I, I think. Did you think they missed anything really? Are there any opportunities that they missed with this episode? I think that they, I, I honestly think that they should have battled in the middle of the night in their pajamas. <laughs> really wanted them to just, like, say... Because it was the middle of the night when, you know, Kohara was all like, okay, Ash, let's battle again. You know, my Gafita versus your Snivy. And I was like, go do it now! And no, they have to wait till daytime. I want to eat their PJs. That would be cool. Come on, I want to fight. That's, that's just, like, you know, totally unawares. <laughs> I guess it would be a test of how good they are as a trainer. Mm. I'm half asleep. Go! <laughs> Uh, so I think that wraps up for the anime. Um, so I have my weekly video game news bulletin, and there is a lot of video game news. So 
Um, uh, first and foremost, uh, the vote to befriend a Pokemon poll has been launched on the global link. This is a poll to decide which pre-Gen 5 Pokemon will be distributed on the Dream World with its hidden ability if it has one. Uh, go ahead on over to the global link to do that. Uh, second, uh, from December 3rd to December 31st in North America, if you get onto Wi-Fi, you can download a special Victini that knows V-Create, Searing Shot, Fusion Bolt, and Fusion Flare. Uh, so I jump on that if I were you. Uh, third, Victini is now available for North American versions of Pokemon Rumble Blast. Uh, go get the code online from Bulba News because it's really long and I'm not reading it on the air. Fourth, uh, everybody, everyone except for those of you in Europe, because Europe gets shafted all the time, uh, can get the Victini Seagear skin for black and white uh, by using the password Victini2011, one word, all caps. Um, fifth, until December 8th, everyone can get an Autumn Dealing skin by using the password... 83H7SN2. Uh, that's also on Bulba News if you couldn't catch that. Uh, it's also all in caps in one word. Uh, sixth, if you live in Europe, you can get a Seagear skin with Crow Gunk on it. Uh, check Bulba News for your country's password. Seventh, again for Europe, you can get Crow Gunk in the rugged mountain area of the Dream World until mid February. And eighth and finally, uh, speaking of the rugged mountain area of the Dream World, there is a new area for the Dream World. Um, it's the rugged mountain area. It has, uh, <laughs> really? I guess you didn't know. Uh, it has a lot of rock-type Pokemon and Pokemon you'd find living in mountains. So go check that out. Um, and so I think that wraps it up for my video game news bulletin. Um, but before we go, I there's something that I've been thinking about recently. And what's interesting is that I think, well, the reason that I'm not a competitive, competitive battler is because it seems very formulaic. Uh, and I don't know whether this is just me or... It, whether it's just my, my perception or maybe I'm just uninformed, but is it, it has the battling metagame stagnated? Is everyone just doing the same teams? Is, is it just the same thing over and over again? Um, or, or, <laughs> or, is, or, or is there, are there new things being introduced? Okay. We're going to get an audience member. Come up here. Come up here. <laughs> Join us. Join us. I mean, I've been practicing for like, VGC and stuff on Pokemon Online, and I'm gonna say, like, yes, there are kind of guys that you see more often, but it's not all exactly the same teams. I mean, like, you see some really creative teams that work well. Like, I mean, of course there'll be guys you see all over the place, like, you know, like... Well, I see, I see a lot of, like, you know, Cresselia, Metagross, Tyranitar, you know, like, mm -hmm. I mean, I see them a lot, but, like, you know, there people can get creative and still mm -hmm. do well. You don't have to just use the like, you know, you don't popular do the hydragon, the hydragon run through. Well, using pseudo legendaries would kind of be like, you know, usually it's just kind of the same. You know, oh yeah, people. Yeah, you mentioned Cresselias and Tyranitars, but at the same time, those are like, you know, those are legendaries, and obviously their stats are going to be like, whoop, and the pseudo legendaries are going to be also be like, whoop. <laughs> <laughs> because that's what everyone pretty much uses I mean there's a little bit of fluctuation between the two and they can get a little creative but I think it's a lot more creative if you use the pokies that don't have the stats to back up you know you know, don't have like you know 600 or 550 numbers in their stats that'd be nice I, I think it's stagnant in that I continue to lose every game with my team of six <laughs> caterpies <laughs> 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 no you <laughs> 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 <laughs>
Yeah, yeah. You got to try harder next time, right? Right. How can I try harder? <laughs> it's caterpie. Bug, 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 bug bite. All right. I'll okay. teach him bug bite. Maybe I'll. There we go. There we go. All right. Yeah. I. I. But the problem with that is though, is that if you want to be competitive at all, you can't. You there's you you can't just do a six caterpie team. You're not going to win, unfortunately, Mike. Evidently. Yeah, uh, but I think I think you know why. I mean, I mean, there the three the, you said it. The reason it's obvious why those pseudo legendaries are always used. But do you think that the fact that it's so as some there are creative teams and there are creative, but they all kind of once once you have something new, everybody uses it. And it, everything kind of becomes this formulaic process, and I think I think to some level that the that's why it never attracted me because it seemed there was not really any randomness in it. Mm, I don't know. I, I'm, I've always been lazy. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just like say like oh EV training. Um, I'd rather go read something or go get something that I haven't gotten before. I'm just I, you know finding the areas where all the you know where certain pogies give you know, certain EVs, it's just like, that's boring and takes forever and I don't want to do it, mommy! Try a so team of like, six I've, I've never really gotten into that in the metagame because I have no knack for it and I just don't want to. But um, I think that uh, with uh, new moves and new abilities, they tried to introduce something new and there were the, um, the I mean, they pretty much revolved this whole game this whole, like, black and white around the idea of the metagame. So I think that if it's stagnant, well, let's blame black and white for making it too easy. Hmm. Yeah, I think, well, there, I mean, you're right, they did build it around the metagame. There's, after you beat Alder, the second time you go through the least four, there's hardly any post-game for the people who just want to play the game. Gotta wait for Cynthia. Yeah, yeah. There's Cynthia, and there's... (laughs) The one you only guy. fight her for three months during the year. Yeah, that's like that's still crazy in my mind, but whatever. Yeah, and there's the one the one guy in the the game freak, their self inserted mm. reference. There's the one guy who can battle there, but he's not very one good. Motor. Yeah, so I I, I mean the, the, you, there are good arguments for why it's not stagnant, um, and and sh- and the and our audience member made. Uh, some very good points to that effect, and and there I I I don't play, so I can't really argue on some. But from my outside perspective, it just seems formulaic and kind of stagnant. So maybe they maybe they could introduce some new, interesting, uh, like game mechanics. Like so, your team is shuffled. You don't know who you're starting with. You know, you know you. So that way, you can't like start with like you can't spam stealth rock your first turn. You mm-hmm. know. Um, so, I think they did try and do. Well, I think they did try and do something like that. Obviously, with the introduction of the um, triple battles, the rotation battle, and those three elemental, uh, three elemental, the uh, the oaths. I think that's what they were called in the English mm-hmm. version. Yeah. But um, I don't think it. I, but I don't think it was enough. And I think pretty much even people still. I mean, they'll take to the triple battles. They'll take to the double battle. But the rotation battles, I don't think. I don't imagine a lot of people do those. Yeah. But um, as as for like mechanics, I think. Um, you know, the whole Wonder Launcher thing, uh, I think that was a nice component, but I, I think that they did try to, you know, beef up the possibility of, like, you know, the variations of the metagame, it, whether it's, 
you know, just seems like the same old hat regardless. Well, who knows? Mm-hmm. So I think I think that's it for the uh, that topic. Um, so at this point, if any anyone in the audience has any questions about running a, running this running, should I preface garden? this with an explanation of why we have an audience? Yes, maybe maybe maybe, really maybe 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 I'll let Bernie Torch explain why we have. Uh, so we're here at the University of Michigan at uh, Pokemon Maze and Blue, the official Pokemon club, which was just started this year by myself and my friend who couldn't be here. Um, so if any of you listening out there go to U of M or are considering going to U of M in the future, join us. <laughs> um, Advertisement? Yeah, just had to do that shameless plug there. Um, so we have the audience we have gathered here is some of the fine ladies and gentlemen of Pokemon Maze and Blue, and now they're going to ask us some questions. About running, you know, we can ask, you could ask uh, Torchic about um, running a club, or you could ask Luna and I about the podcast or running a fan site because we know a lot about that. A little bit, yeah. A, a little, only a little bit, you know. Uh, uh, yeah, let's not get into what. <laughs> I'll stay quiet. <laughs> junk do you guys have to filter through as running fan sites on the internet how like because i know there's people are just going to be posting stuff all the time like how often do you guys get really good quality posts that actually contribute to the site a lot did you hear that uh repeat the question and so what 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 he said was how much junk do we have to filter through uh, uh how many good posts do we get um that sort of thing well, those are kind of oh, those are obviously kind of you know hit and miss. We get a, we do get a lot of good, interesting posts, and as much you know, just as much as we get you know, you know, junk mail, pretty much. And but these are but if it's not coming from a spam bot, these are all still contributing users, and they are there even if you know even if they don't seem like they're contributing much, they are still participating within the community. Yeah, I, I, I mean, there are a lot of spam bots in my. I, my five months as a moderator, I banned over 150 of them. Um, I'm lazier. Yeah, you're lazy. But well, that's, that's because none come into my set. Yeah, that's that's because yeah. Uh, but on the quality of the posts, they're generally pretty good. I haven't really found too many posts that are just like herp derp Pokemon is lame. Um, so yeah, I we, we do get a few of those, but we, they're yeah. like they're trolls. They're trolls, and then we're like, don't feed them. yeah, don't Be feed gone. the trolls. Be gone. Yes. So I overall, it's I, I think we get we get a pretty good amount of content. Yeah, come up here. On the topic of these posts, how do you deal with flame wars between the generations? <laughs> oh boy, You're, he, he he's asking all the interesting questions, isn't he? Depending on what uh, the section it's in, some section, uh, some of the I believe the video game section has kind of made um, rulings about, you know, don't be hating on, you know, Ruby Sapphire, Emerald, or, like, you know, don't don't try to start up stuff between two generations. We do try to step in whenever a flame war occurs and, you know, settle people down and, like, you know, shifting them back on the topic. Sometimes, you know, it takes a little bit more heat than, you know, throwing, um, you know, in-thread uh, in warning. But generally, 
Um, I imagine that even though we do have those kind of bitter rivalries between generations and stuff like that, it doesn't seem too bad most of the time. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Obviously, everyone's going to have their own opinion of what generation was better, what generation was the worst. And you're allowed to have your own opinion. Just please don't rub it in other people's faces. Yeah, as as a, a a moderator, actually at the head of video the video game section, um, <laughs> I should I should probably yeah that's probably yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, yeah, we, we do have we I mean that sort of stuff just falls under the general like no flaming rules, um, and so we really haven't had too many issues with that recently because it's been a while, and we keep the the potential Gen three remake stuff in that thread and. You don't. You're not allowed to talk about whether or not you think it's going to happen. And it, we, it, it's, it's, it's interesting at times, but ju- by and large, it's not too much of a problem. I had to ask because there are just so many people who have an irrational hatred of everything past Gen One. Gen Two rocked. Is there, are there any other questions about? You, okay, uh, guy in the green. Why are you wearing green? This is. University of Michigan. Go ahead. I can take it off if you'd like. No. No, you're good. You're good. Um, Not that kind of show, buddy. <laughs> How much time goes into the production of a podcast? Like hours throughout the week? Um, This podcast or a, like a, a legit one? <laughs> In general, this one? Um, Well, obviously, this one is usually runs about 45 minutes. What would you say? Uh, 35 minutes to 50 minutes usually? Of us talking, depending on what kind of topics are involved. Yeah, if 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 they're the topics, like a couple weeks ago when uh, Junichi Masuda uh, posted those Twitter things about, I care a lot about Ruby and Sapphire. I don't want to make sure I make a good game. I make a remake. That was a fun. That was that was that was a longer cast. Um, Preparation wise, uh, for this one, I I mean obviously I put more time in because I had to organize it, make sure everything was set up for the live. But um, I'm actually stopping you right there. Give a round of applause for David right there, please. Sorry, I used your real name. Oops. 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 (laughs) Because so many people don't have it's such a specific name, right? Yeah, I know. Like nobody has that name at all. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll just dub over it. Like it'll be Luna. It'll be like Herostat over the top of it. (laughs) Um, Herostat. Yeah. Uh, but I, I would say I put in probably about an hour and a half, two hours w- per week. Don't do. I mean, I, I I go through. I watch. I watch the episodes. Um, I watch the episodes. I I get set the topics. Um, I make sure everyone. I I have everyone for the episode. So probably an hour and a half to two hours, than the episode itself. So not too much if you're willing to do it. How much editing do you do for each podcast after it's recorded? It depends on the podcast. <laughs> it depends on what kind of what what kind of mishap has happened within the um the uh, episode. Like la- uh, oh, last, last time, last week. La- last oh my god, last week was so kind, was kind of really bad only because something happened with my mic. So while in the middle of um me reading the um uh episode summary, something kind of happened like right before the last paragraph happened, and my mic kind of cut out and. So uh, we, we had PNC to we had was, to redo it and we had to like yeah. shut it down and it was it was uh, a mess. <laughs> I, I, I was something and I don't even know what happened. It just 
But um, yeah, we do have a little fluctuate. We do have our little problems and hitches and stuff like that. And sometimes there are awkward silences that we gotta fill and you know, like cut down and make them seem less awkward because nobody wants to talk on something and. Sometimes those, actually, no, the awkward pauses kind of stay in most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> awkward pause. <laughs> See, exactly. Is that saying? Uh, probably because we made a comment about it. Um, <laughs> does anyone else have any other questions about anything at all? Okay, so I think that wraps up for BulbaCast this week. A couple quick things to plug before we go. Um, the BulbaWiki staff drive, so that's BulbaWiki, so Bulbapedia, um, Bulba News, uh, the Archives, uh, National Bulbographic, all, well, not National Bulbographic, I lie. Um, all of them are having a staff drive until November 25th. So if you would like, if you are a Bulba Garden or Bulbapedia user and you would like to help out, um, and become more part of part of the staff of team. team. Become part of the team. Um, that's a, do that before November twenty fifth. Um, and National Bubble Graphic uh, will have a new uh, issue released by the time this comes out. Um, so go read that. I have an article in it about the anime, which should be interesting because it will talk about Dent a little bit, more than a little bit. Just a little bit. That'll be fun. Uh, so go read that. That'll be fun. Um, question of the week will be up, I promise, this time. I know I didn't do it last week, but it will be up and there for you to answer for next uh, next week's podcast. So that's there. Um, I'd also like to give out a shout-out to our editor, PPN Steve. Uh, and I think that uh, is it for today. I'm Herstat signing off. Have a good one, everybody. Hey guys, Herstat here. A couple things I forgot to mention uh, during the recording. I'd like to give a shout out to my friend Dana for letting me borrow her computer when technology failed. Uh, to my friend JC for bringing speakers so that people could actually hear Luna talking. Uh, and to PPN for being a great editor. Anyway, that's all for today. I'll talk to you guys later. Bye.